but it's not often that the opportunity and the conversation comes up to let's go to the Arctic Circle and hunt an animal that has existed on the face of this earth for two million years and used to bump elbows with woolly mammoths. And then we saw a young bull up on the skyline, but I stood there and my hunting brain totally was lost for a minute because I wasn't worried about killing this thing. I just sat there and stared at it in awe. I was just locked on it going, I was enamored by it. From Montana to Mexico, Texas to Tajikistan, Alaska to Asia, Colorado to Canada, Rolling Bones Outdoors presents Hunt the World. Our team at Rolling Bones Outdoors is here to help you create memories that will last a lifetime. Are you ready? Let's hunt the world. Action! Thank you for joining us this week for this episode of Hunt the World with Rolling Bones Outdoors and Brad's impromptu action. Welcome to the yeah. Bone Cave. We're happy to have you. If you're going to do that, Brad, I need to get you a real clapper. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Hey, I've got I've got. Do a you have a real one that absolutely, goes action? I absolutely do, with a little digital clock on it and everything. This so, one's pretty good, though. <laughs> oh, my God. Help us all. Exactly. <laughs> um, but then again, here we are all together. So anyway, we have some special guests on tonight. And uh, we, we are we're excited to have you a part of um, our Hunt the World. We're going to talk today about Nunavut. Not Nunavik, Nunavut. And uh, um, it's a territory that was uh, became a territory, I believe they said, in 1999. And it was uh, um, uh, peeled away from the Northwestern Territories. And uh, Northwest Territories, I should say, say it right. And uh, um, I believe that. If somebody could fact check me, that'd be awesome. It is way up there, isn't but it? it? It sure is. And uh, we just had a blast. So we have uh, um, Jonathan Ankner on today, Al Jones, as always, Brad Dana, and Bleep. So we have a full house. April 1st, 1999, the map of Canada was redrawn. The Northwest Territory is divided into two territories to allow for the creation of Nanavit. The homeland for Inuit of Canada. Well, look at you. Yeah. So, so I remember it was 1990. So I didn't know that, but um, mm. uh, Jonathan, um, and maybe he can speak to this. We were sitting in camp one night while Al's um, feet were steaming, and um, <laughs> uh, because it was uh, he's the only human being I've ever met in 27 below zero can take his boots off, and steam was rolling out from heat. Wow, that's impressive. Am I hyperbolizing here, Al? No, no, you're. It, it was twenty below it, zero. Not an exaggeration. <laughs> it was twenty degrees below zero, and and Al's wow. eleven hundred Kenetrex kept his feet so warm that when he pulled them damn skins <laughs> off, his feet were steaming inside the Arctic oven wow. tent. Wow, not <laughs> exaggeration. Those those thousand Kenetrex are a boot. Aren't they? What'd oh you think gosh. of your Al? What'd you? Th we're going to talk about a lot of things. We'll bounce around a little bit. What'd you think of those boots, Al? Well, I mean, just like my other pair, um, that now it, it wasn't a physically demanding hunt, but first pair, first time I wore them was to go out to the field, and I didn't have a problem with my feet. Um, they kept me warm. My toes got a little tingly, you know, after being on the ice three or four hours, but really never got cold. Stayed comfortable the whole time. And yeah. 
didn't really take Brad's advice and go two sizes up. I went half a size up. So, I mean, there's room for insulation if, I, if I'd have gone up. That's interesting. So it, uh, but they did, and they were steaming. So to that point, we've digressed. Um, but to that point, um, Ankner was sitting there, Mr. Jonathan Ankner, um, and uh, we were talking. And Tony comes in to the tent, and um, we were talking about Nunavut and where we were at and stuff. And he said, "Oh yeah, in 1999." And and Al or uh, Jonathan was like, "Yeah, I remember that." And da 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 da. And they're just bantering back and forth names. And I mean, you know, Jonathan should be on Jeopardy. Um, anyway, it was uh, really good. So I was like, <laughs> "Answer in the form of a question." Yeah. So I was like, 1999, that's crazy. That's modern-day right. history. The history of Nanavit covers the period of the arrival of the Paleo-Eskimo thousands of years ago to present wow. day. Hey, Brian, that's for cool. the sake of those that might be listening for the first time, maybe we should kind of give a little background on um, why everybody's here and what we're talking about today. Oh, yeah, thank you. Um, so what Jeez, so what a killjoy. Let's refocus. <laughs> yeah, guess, huh? yeah, what a killjoy. Jeez, is right. I don't have my Who, I All right, pay attention. Now back to the yeah. regularly scheduled programming. <laughs> Honestly, bleep, bleep, who, who the hell invited you and why? Um, now we know, You huh? did. All right, yeah, what the hell. Hey, so. I'll go on strike with the writers if <laughs> yeah. you want. Oh, yeah, do we have rioters somewhere um riding um the uh um perversion of uh, transgender human beings anyway oh um uh, <laughs> no let, let's we not. don't digress there. No. no anyway well you're the one that said rioter so let's go back so here's what we're going to talk about we're going to talk about none of it okay and um and the uh uh the territory and what happened here is that we were booking we get a lot of calls all the time for uh, constantly, we get a lot of calls for uh, one species above most the last 24 months, which has been caribou. Now, that has nothing to do with what we just did, and it has everything to do with what we just did. So what happened was um, we have an outfitter that we book for, but he's hard to get in with, with Central Barren Ground Caribou. And so we called him, and our Canadian liaison, Aaron, said, hey, I know a guy that was just in camp and hunting stone sheep, and he, you guys book for him, but he has a brother-in-law or a cousin or a distant relative that, is, that I'm encouraging that's a guide of mine or that guides up in this area I'm encouraging to start doing musk ox and caribou. You should meet him. So Lindley, Brad, and I flew to SCI, and I think Jonathan and Al, I think Al was already over. He was going to be at SCI too, but him and Elise were in, like, some Arctic place already meeting. in Finland, Club. weren't they? Where were you, Al? Sweden and Finland. Sweden and Finland. Sweden and Finland. So they were in Sweden and Finland. Jonathan had something with Rory, couldn't meet, so we went to SCI, met with him, mm -hmm. and, um, and he was like, yeah, I'm starting this up. Let's go. Um, I have openings, and I could do my first first one if you guys wanted to well we like to vet our outfitters so um we we all said let's go vet him and literally never had been there and we took off so i'll let uh jonathan and al take over from there so so yeah guys um sight unseen hunt plan unseen logistics unseen we're like nunavut muskox a hunting partner that, that, that wants to be part of our organization. Yeah, let's go. Um, 
we were in Iowa and it was the three of us. Uh, Brad was there. Brett Miller was there. Lindley. We had a couple of people there that were a couple of other people, excuse me, that were going to participate, but logistics didn't work out for them. But this, this is something that you can talk about a wilderness elk hunt. You can talk about a wilderness elk hunt in Montana, uh, Wyoming. And I'm not discounting that. You can talk about a um, mule deer hunt uh, in, 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 in several Western states. But it's not often that the opportunity and the conversation comes up to let's go to the Arctic Circle and hunt an animal that has existed on the face of this earth for two million years and used to bump elbows with woolly mammoths. Uh, please come up here and let's uh, uh, crack the bottle on a muskox hunt um, deep into the Arctic Circle. So, so when this opportunity came up and we're like, I don't think any of us were like, oh, let me think about that. We were all like, okay, when do we book the flights? You know, wow. go ahead, Al. Wow. Well, I will say that uh, when we first talked about muskox hunting, Brian sold it as, oh, we're going a lot. We'll go in August. It's not going to be as cold. <laughs> and this thing just fell in our lap. Um, it was cold. It was great. Um, they call that bait and switch, Al. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's because Hi, no, that's because like, he said you could come up in September, or August. So we, you, Al, is exactly right. We did. We were thinking that, but plans changed, huh, Al? Go ahead, Al. Sorry. Yeah, it just it just came together real quick, and it, 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 it was cool. Like it was like, yeah, we got this new outfitter, um, and I appreciate you inviting me along. You know, to 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 help vet them, and I, it was a great experience. Muskox has been on my radar. I don't know, five, eight years now. Um, so it was really cool to jump on that experience and have a successful hunt. Well, that's funny because muskox has not – muskox and caribou, I've turned down so many caribou hunts because I was like, well, caribou's like an elk, but it's not an elk. Why would I go hunt caribou when I can go hunt elk, right? Because I had <laughs> I had it. because you have alcoholic, You have a one-track one brain, yeah. But but man, two things that now. Now you wish. Oh you my gosh! I'm just. I think it's an itch that I just need I think to scratch Jonathan so Al bad. And I, we're, we're, every five ten minutes, we're like, "Can we text Brad?" Oh no, we're in the wilderness, and he's not. <laughs> um, yeah. So well, you, you know what's uh, you know what else is cool when you guys when you guys got the the itinerary, it's easy to get to. It's like logistically, it's easy. Um, it's fast and it's a short hunt, five day hunt. There's a lot to like about this hunt. And, uh, and, and in the fall you can double dip and you can, you can hunt caribou and muskox and it's attractively priced. I mean, there's a lot to like about this. <laughs> I'd like to speak to that, like the accessibility of the hunt, like in, in, in our booking fee, Tony took care of like our tickets from Winnipeg to Rankin were taken care of. Tony handled a lot of logistics, which can be a pain in the rear at times. Um, and, and I was kind of like wondering what kind of plane are we going to hop onto? We hopped onto a Boeing 737, nice, big, fast plane and got right there. 
I'm not really? kidding you. Yeah. Oh, well, I dude. Figured, I figured it was like a, a Raven or a Grant. No, hell no. Wow. Well, that's what really? that's what Al was thinking. Where so did you Al's fly like, into? So we flew into Winnipeg, okay. which from Minneapolis is a 50-minute flight, right? Wow. And then Al was like the night before, he goes, Brian, hey, this is on Calm Air. And, you know, Jonathan Al have traveled the world too, right? And, and so I was like, yeah. And he's like, I'm betting this is tomorrow morning. Uh, we don't even go through security. This is a private chartered air. And I'm like, yeah, you're probably right. Well, guess what we Oops. find out an hour before we're supposed to be on there? We got to go through security, check our bags. We're same, going, it's an international deal. airport, same right? Deal. And so, oh, yeah. but I was blown away. So, Al, I'm sorry, I interrupted you. Go ahead. No, you didn't. I, I was finished. Just the only thing about, uh, <laughs> Going through TSA with the cameraman as he's got a lot of funny looking things in his backpack <laughs> kind of drew some attention, but we got through it. It's yeah. no big deal. And actually, Everybody it's funny you nice. said that because I was like, I, I, we hadn't done that in a while. And so we had a producer with us and because we we're going to produce this for YouTube and for all of you guys to see. And I was like, I was like pulling my hair. I was biting my tongue. So it's funny. Al even said that. But Al's super calm, cool. He's like, we're going to make it. Don't worry. Let's. And I'm like wanting to choke. At, you know, I was like, what the I'm kicking my own ass for bringing a guy. But it actually worked out perfect. So it was good and then the flight i was blown away because we got up in the air and they go we just need to know if you'd like a hot breakfast or a cold breakfast on our two hour and 15 minute flight i was like wow. i was like praise jesus <laughs> <laughs> this is super nice the hell with they're, american air they're taking care of us kind of like <laughs> when you were in russia you know that you got fed food and oh dude it was they amazing. cared about you on the plane right well <laughs> oh, they did um no but that was cool i mean what an adventure i mean you guys a cool snowmobile trip. I mean, just the whole adventure was fun. I mean, people go up for all that stuff. Um, yeah. You don't. You had no shortage of snow. You didn't have to worry about snow conditions, did you? Well, it's funny you say that because, okay, so, so I'm sitting. So, first of all, I get on the plane, and uh, um, and we're all. she goes, I put you all four together in aisle seats. And she looked at Jonathan and I. And she went, wow, um, you guys need probably double aisle seats because, you know, because Jonathan's like 280, um, six foot nine foot tall. <laughs> what? <laughs> oh, he lost some weight. He lost some weight. Oh, boy. <laughs> anyway, whatever. So Jonathan that, that was and I. was pretty fast. Jonathan <laughs> and I aren't little guys. So we get on the plane and there's somebody sitting in my seat. So I just went up to the stewardess and I said, hey. And um, she, he, uh, yeah, the stewardess, <laughs> the stewardess says, um, uh, just just let her know that you'll you'll just go back and take her seat. And so I just put my hand on her shoulder and I walked by her and said, uh, um, you're fine. You can stay there. She goes, I know I am. I know I will. And I'm like, oh, wow, this is uh, a, a little. Nice. Yeah, not so nice. I sit down <laughs> in my seat and I take a picture and I text it to Jonathan and Al, I'm sitting next to the next biggest guy on the plane other than me, um, but he's not big vertically. You know what I'm saying? He's big horizontally. Is that right? Am I doing a horizontal, vertical? A stocky horse. Yeah, uh, yeah. he's a big boy. So I text a picture of these guys. They're like, uh, anyway, uh, I digress. So once the plane gets up in the air, I move seats. I jump up back closer to these guys. And, and Al's working on his phone. I'm like, dude, I'm going to delete a bunch of pictures too. I think that's what he's doing. So I just go through my phone. I get obsessed with this for two and a half hours. 
and we were landing, and they I heard chunk chunk. I take my ear uh, my earbuds out, and I look out, and I'm like, oh, we're still in the air. And then I hear boom. I feel the boom of the landing, and we hit. And I'm like, that's that's weird. What the hell's going on? I look again, and it's still completely white out. I couldn't tell the difference between the cloud and the ground because it was just white. So welcome to the Arctic. Yeah, it's a whole different a whole different view from the pilot's perspective. Wow. I bet. Huh? Oh yeah, vertigo and all. So, well, the, so you got there, and uh, so that was that was easy and uneventful, and you you guys hopped. You guys hopped on sleds right away, didn't you? Um, no. no. Go ahead. One of you guys, go ahead. No, Tony, Tony uh, came and picked us up at the airport. Um, so we weren't immediately on sleds. Um, but, I, I mean, I'll tell you, I walked off of the back of that plane and across the tarmac, and I was like, it's cold here. <laughs> but we were fine moving forward. Um yeah, and we'll talk about snow machines and uh, whiteout shortly. I'm soon. Sure. So, have you guys? Yeah. Have you guys ridden uh, snowmobiles much? Oh yeah, we 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 uh, we were in Siberia, uh, 18, 20, 24, 36 months ago, uh, and that's all we did for like nine days. So you got twenty miles, even though you're from minimum. South Carolina, because there's not a lot of snowmobiling there, is there? <laughs> yeah no no so yeah so you guys each had your own sled yep and and you guys didn't have what were the what was the the sled uh behind it the come the the kumatik kumatik yep you guys you guys didn't have to worry about one of those we you did just, not ride uh, yeah so that's what I, that's what i was gonna say about you know when we were in siberia we're riding around on sleds bouncing behind a snow machine getting ice in the face oh yeah um and just beat up but yeah having your own snow machine was super nice um i'd have hated riding one of those kumatug i thought that one of them was going to come apart at any moment right i've talked to people who've done that on polar bear hunts and they're from canada and they said holy cow it was the most brutal miserable thing um getting beat and frozen to death it it, it sounds like it's cold back there Mm. So and you had ni- amazing accommodations. It looked like camp was really nice when you were out there. So we had these 12 by 12. Well, no, actually, they were probably 12 by 16 um, Arctic oven and uh, tents, which are you, you, you have an insulated interior shelter supported by a frame structure outside. And then there is a, I'm not even going to say it's a fly. It's just, it's a completely another insulated sheath structure over the top. So it creates an air barrier. I'm not going to lie. When we got there, it was cold. They staff <laughs> put that. Yeah. They're, they're like, Arctic ovens. They, they were up when we got there and we went in there and we, we were bringing our bags in and the Arctic ovens have like a port uh, about the size of a, a forearm of a man that's got a sleeve and they fished a gas tube from a probably a five gallon propane tank. And, and it's funny because Al and I, we all talked about this in the five star lodge back at the Rankin Inlet. Um, <laughs> they had these two burner at the diamond Coleman, club, the diamond <laughs> club, the five star black diamond club. They had these two burner Coleman 
stoves that everyone has grown up hunting on. We had two burners on for about 15 minutes. No, one. And then one minute. It got so hot that you're like, we, we got to turn one of those off. One burner turned down to the lowest setting, kept that tent at long john temperature all night. All yeah, night. That's it was cool. the, the accommodation incredible. And all of us had like Sasquatch level size cots. I mean, I'm a big guy. Maimon six four two seventy five to eighty at this point. I mean, yeah, he's lost weight, weight too. How, how big are you? Not? Oh my god, I want to kill Yeah, he has. He was probably three bills. He, he was he was totally three Ben Franklin's when we went up there. Um, but I mean, the cots were brand new. Dude, I am huge. I am breaking every gin bottle I ever see again when I'm with him. So was, <laughs> hey, hey, Brad, Brad, look, look at the camera real quick. I got to tell you something. So, 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 so I'm a I'm a svelte six two two thirty three ish. Oh my and god. Brad, Brad's or Brian's talking about no, I'm I'm two twenty eight, I'm two thirty five. I said two thirty eight, two forty, and uh, um, I had more clothes on than you when I jumped on the scale, so don't even go there. So anyway, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you did, but I said, dude, you are you are two seventy, you are two seventy easy. Oh so he did he didn't tip the scales, like, he tipped the scales over. <laughs> oh my God, we we are digressing when we're, when we're, so bad. When here. we're leaving Rankin, we're on the luggage scale. I'm like, jump up on there, and he jumps up, and that reading on the scale at one point hit two sixty five, and then settled at two. Two fifty eight point nine. Oh okay, my god! So it was two fifty eight even, and I had all my Arctic clothes on, and 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 well, Angner jumped on there naked. You didn't know that you were gonna go commando on the scale oh huh, if this was a contest. <laughs> oh my gosh! So 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 I jump on I jump on there equally dressed, and I'm two thirty. <laughs> uh, I'm two forty ish. So he's he's easily twenty pounds heavier than me, and he's like, oh. I'm I'm 235. No way. Well, Jonathan, oh that's God. only 10 pounds per inch then. So, yeah, perfect, right? Right, because he's <laughs> five foot eight and I'm 6'5", so let's get this right. <laughs> anyway, yeah. all I can say is go to our Instagram page right now, rollingbones.com, and I'm the guy with – I'm the svelte skinny guy that's super tall in the middle with the furry ruff, and Jonathan's the large guy to my right, and uh, um, Al's the normal-sized guy to my left. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> Okay. Okay. But they, but they <laughs> it were, makes you feel better. But uh, the the cots, needless to say, were large enough for oh you guys. Oh no, yeah. You know what? <laughs> Honestly, I am a big boy, and so. But but it, that's one of the things. It's like when they have a cot, I sit there and I scratch my head, going, Ugh, "I would almost be better off just laying on the floor on my air mattress because it's like a lot of times your feet are just hanging off the edge." But Jonathan's right. The accommodations were world class, and obviously we're having fun with each other. Uh, Jonathan and I are both – I would be more of the defensive end style size guy, and Jonathan would be a middle linebacker size guy. And uh, um, and so we're both bigger boys, um, and, uh, um, and these things fit us perfectly. And, um, and then I was worried about snoring, but Jonathan didn't snore that bow, bad at all. Actually, I never heard it once, but I, I have narcolepsy, so I fall asleep in one second. They found that out. Um, mid sentence, I'm out. So I, I was, um, but it, the, the accommodations. My point were, or to Jonathan's point, I should say, 
they were world class. The the uh, tent was uh, twelve by twenty, I think. The cook twelve shanty. by twenty four, wasn't it? Yeah, twelve by twenty four. Yeah. It was giant. Wow, the cook it's shanty bigger than I thought. Because ours was probably it was definitely um, sixteen to eighteen feet. Because we 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 were there. They had yeah. two. They have two eight foot cots back to back, seven foot. You know, and we had room. Well, I have to give Brian With credit because right. Brian yeah. does get some credit because he <laughs> does fall asleep in the middle of a sentence. It's the craziest thing. He can be talking, and in the middle of a word sometimes, he can get half a word out and fall asleep. And then the weirdest thing is sometimes he'll wake up like 10 minutes later and pick up right mid-word. I was like, well, that's holy. That's pretty cool that you remembered exactly where you were. Well, I was tired, but we all fell asleep. We slept really well in there, but, yes, that is a problem of mine. <laughs> it's um, kind of interesting. So now I'm big, I'm a little dumb, too. So, so <laughs> So you got a good night's sleep, and the next morning you're up and you're out on the snow machines and you're you're out looking for. Well, you know, you know what? Mate, I don't know, Jonathan or out one of you guys. Before we go there, we should because the meet and greet was pretty spectacular too. Um, th- so what we do is we look at logistics coming in, how you're met and gre- be, uh, greeted. Because I think a lot of hunters, when you go off into the great abyss like this, worry about okay, am I going to be wandering around aimlessly when I land? Um, how am I going to be? And I don't know, Jonathan or Al, if one of you guys want to speak to that. But I think um, that was like immediately. Um, after the initial Arctic wall of holy shit, it's going to be cold up here. Um, it warmed up right after that with the people and what happened. So, does one of you guys want to just talk about the meet and greet when we got there? Well, I mean, for, first of all, uh, most of our listeners are, are are probably in the lower forty-eight. So, think about the size of a CVS pharmacy or a Walgreens pharmacy, and somewhere on our social social media posts, I, I, I did a video. Um, that that shows this uh, the airport was literally 2000 square feet 20 by 40 and so we got off the plane and uh forget about TSA forget about county uh security uh uh, Tony literally was 25 feet from the front door of the airport we carried all our stuff out threw it on uh it was like, I took, unless Tony saw a picture of me, he, he had no idea who, who I was. But from the first time that we walked off the tarmac into the airport itself, he was like, knew who we were. How are you doing? How are you doing? I, I guess he obviously seen our <laughs> licenses during the app. But it was, it was, there was never that weird, awkward, um, that, that feeling out there period. It was like Tony was your cousin that you spent like three weeks summer vacation with and you saw him at Christmas, Thanksgiving and Easter. Well, Tony, Tony and and his brother-in-law. And it wasn't just Tony. It was, it was, I mean, think about it guys, Brett, Tristan, Tutuk, it was like you were talking to somebody Everyone that was in camp, you talked to your entire life. It was so comfortable. It, and and it, it, goes, was, it, it goes to the spirit of those people. They are happy, inviting, accommodating people. Go ahead, Al. No, it was, it was just almost weird in the sense that 
they were so inviting and so welcoming, you know, like made you feel so comfortable and you're just like, Hey, you know, I'm a grown boy too, but that it's super great, you know, team that he has up there. Um, I think they're all family by some degree. Um, they really took great care of us, made sure we were comfortable, felt safe, packed extra clothes. Um, did you guys did, so yeah. did you guys get cold at all? Because it was cold. I mean, they, no. they were concerned about our needs. They, I think, yeah. yeah. Somebody said no. Who said that? Me. Yeah. I, I mean, I never got cold. Cold. Yeah. Well, yeah. Twenty-seven below, thirty below zero. I mean, you're. It's never like you're overheating for the most part. But you guys were always comfortable then. You, you was were, it bad yes. cold? It was cold. There, there was. It was cold. It was cold. Like, and, 27 below? Um, I is think that the one, Celsius? I think, yeah, I think 27 below Celsius. Oh, okay. I think the one night Jonathan said it looked like it was almost 30 below when he got up Celsius, right? Okay. So yeah, you're, Celsius. You're just a little below zero Fahrenheit. Yeah, the problem is is it's a damp cold and the uh, wind yeah. is cooking. Really? Oh, yeah. And if it's not cooking, you're on snowmobiles making it cook. Um, so, so it, it is, you know, it is, it is a, it is a wall of cold and, uh, but I was amazed on a scale of one to 10, you know, we always like to vet the family experience or the welcoming experience. You know, you go to a good social party, you always say it's all about the hello and the goodbye. How are you received and how are you, um, uh, you know, let go and, and what happens? And they always say that 90% of this experience is created by the hello and the goodbye. I would give them a 10 on a scale to 1 to 10 for the hello. Um, we were engaged, like they just said, by everybody. Um, do, do you have enough clothes? Do you need a face mask? Do you, do you have goggles? Do you have, if you didn't have something on the checklist, we want to make sure you provide it. Um, we, before we got there, they said one thing he said, you need to buy from us probably or bring if you don't have them. And my wife makes them is um, elbow high um, beaver mittens. Um, those were probably the most life-saving uh, piece of equipment I've ever had on a hunt. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. They were, they, uh, those, those gloves, hand, there you go, Al. Literally, that combined with every sled, every snowmobile had heated handlebars. I was telling Al, at one point I had to pull over uh, when we were, when we were pack training 80 miles an hour, 80 kilometers an hour, because my handlebars got so damn hot, I, my, my thick thumb beaver glove, I couldn't hit the down temperature on the uh, on the handlebar, so I had to pull over. Um, and, and every snowmobile has exhaust off of the engine compartment to your right to, to your, your feet. feet. So the only time I got cold, Brian, um, was during your kill uh when we were taking a bunch of pictures and i stood on the ice for about two hours my toes got i'm not gonna lie they didn't get chilly they got cold uh but right after we got on we we got back when we got back to uh to base camp al pulled his boots off and his feet were steaming so i mean that that, that tells you no, that it's was not a, like you have to worry about losing the toe. I will tell you this, though. That was a nerve-wracking uh, ride on the way back because um, they talk about Arctic whiteouts. I'd never seen an Arctic whiteout like that. 
you know, um, you talk about uh, uh, it's just it was it was absolutely crazy. You know what I'm saying? It was as white as it could get. And uh, your sorry hind part just stops and takes your glove off because you're hot. And I was like, dude. And then Tony's taillight was out. So I was like, how are we even get back to this if we uh, lose track of him? Because but those Eskimos know where they're going and what they're and, doing. Because we've noticed that before with them. They have an unbelievable. I need a map and compass. Uh, you know, I want a map and compass when I'm going somewhere. Those guys, they just, they just know what they're doing, man. They, wow. It's it's crazy their sense of direction and stuff. Was that a whiteout just because there was no landmarks or because no you, visibility? I never understood vertigo because yeah. I, I'm not a pilot. Yeah, but, but if you when fl- I'm, yeah, like when I'm, I've had vertigo piloting an airplane before. Well, so I was on a piloting a snowmobile, and if I wouldn't have been attached to the ground, I wouldn't have known what was up or down. Does right. that make sense? Yep. Um, because it was that, and and the it's all white except for the rocks on the edges of the lakes and stuff, and uh, um, it was That's crazy. White. Well, Brian, to that to that point, um, <clears throat> they did a really good job of running the low lakes, keeping us away from rocks on the way back. I don't know how because it was complete white out. It was white out to the point where I felt like I was going down a forest trail because it was so thick on either side of me. And wow. I just have to look off into the deep and just realize, <laughs> oh, yeah, we're in a lake bed. Wow. So so on the way in, you'd ask. So we, we travel about five hours on the way in by snowmobile. Mm-hmm. Um, it was about uh, um, 85 miles, and it was a white out the day we went in. Okay. So and it was pretty rough. The next morning after we got in there, and so it was, it was windy. Yeah, one of the coolest pictures I've I've ever taken in a hunting camp. Um, we were in there, and I went out to go to the restroom, and I came back in, and and I was I was like in a hurry because Jonathan and Al, and we're in there laughing, and Tony was in there, and I I literally, you know how you got to pee because you had a snowmobile suit on, and you're all buttoned <laughs> up. So I run out. I'm like, I got to pee, but I want to go back in because th- th- it was it was there was so much energy in camp, right? Because we rolled in, and it was that dark. And we're on the lake, um, and because you just set right up on the ice. Anyway, I turn around, and those Arctic ovens were lined up, and they were all glowing. And so you got to go to our Instagram page because I got a picture of that yeah, on I there. I saw that photo. It, is that yeah. a cool it's, it's, photo? It is actually pretty cool. It, it was like boom. And anyway, so we were. I, I just didn't realize you took it while you were going out to take a pee. I, I probably was peeing so when I took it. So now that changes my view of that photo yeah, completely. Yeah, I, I, I didn't put anything there to change your view. I didn't it's need just that. Mental abstract <laughs> bullshit you're creating yourself. So anyway, so um, we were sitting there, and uh, what was I saying about that? Oh, I, Jonathan said this before. They had everything set up. They they went up and set up all a camp. We rolled in. It was first class. But the next morning we got up and they said every hunter had a guide and a, and an assistant guide. Yeah. And we all had a kumatik. A kum, How do you pronounce it? Kumatik. Kumatik for uh, for like th- per hunter. One per hunter. Yes. Yeah. One Which is per- basically the sled behind the the sled. So you had three sleds, basically, three snowmobiles. Yep. You had yours. Every hunter had his own, which was really nice if you're thinking about doing this hunt. Every hunter had its own. Every hunter had a guide, and every hunter had an assistant guide with a kumatik. And so you were set to go all different directions. And they came in the next morning and said, what do you want to do? And Al actually said, well, we should probably split up and go. We only brought one producer, and I wanted to get as much on film so I kind of, part of me goes, oh, man, um, but we all went together, and it made for a super long day that day. 
but we did get incredible footage that we wouldn't have. And we were a pretty big band of uh, snowmobiles, um, but we started combing the areas and glassing and combing. Go ahead, Al. You carried a big No, I just – we definitely brought the cavalry out there. Um, so you guys all had – you had plenty of, of guides, assistant guides. You had plenty of equipment. Life was good. You went out. Um, oh, so getting into camp, we should cover this too for everybody listening. Getting into camp that night – um, what did we eat? It was amazing. It was really good. Spaghetti. Spaghetti. We had a big bowl. First night we had spaghetti. Yep. First night we had spaghetti. It was amazing. Um, we had a bunch of spaghetti, went to bed on a full belly. Next morning we had eggs, bacon, sausages, um, toast, uh, f- giant meal. And they had two cooks, you said. They had two gals in there cooking for us and they could cook. Super legit, huh? So well, you, back to the camp, yeah, they had two cooks and they had an assistant in camp, like then, a camp assistant, right? Yep, a camp assistant. There's three people that stayed back. Yeah, this was super from, legit setup. Well organized. Yeah. Like you were taken care of and the details were managed and the equipment was brand new. All right, I want to hear about the hunt. Tell me about the hunt. <laughs> I want, let's get to the let's get to the good stuff. Come on. Well, we were glassing and traveling and glassing and traveling, and then we saw a young bull up on the skyline, and I was like, I was actually, and I'd like to hear your guys' thoughts because we never talked about this, but I stood there, and my hunting brain totally was lost for a minute because I wasn't worried about killing this thing. It was 385 yards away because I ranged it right away, but I just sat there and stared at it in awe for a second. Did you? Like, th- that's what I was wondering. If you, if if just seeing one of these prehistoric like creatures w- w- that the first time is like whoa. Normally, if I spot an animal, I'm scanning around it to see if there's another one. I was just locked on it, going. I was enamored by it, and they had to say there's another one here and another one there. And usually, that's and, and from my experience, I'm usually going, okay, where's the next one? Because that's not very big. I knew he was a young bull, but I was like. I was just sitting there going, holy shit, he's just so majestic standing up there. What would you guys think? I agree. I, 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 agree. I thought the same thing. Yeah, up, up high on that ridge with the sun at his back, you know, they've got a little buffalo hump on them and, and all that fur. And it's like, it was really cool, really cool experience just just to see him. And then when they started talking about, oh, there's a big one down there, oh, there's a bigger one down there, um, it's pretty exciting. I don't know. We were an hour and a half to two and a half hours into our pursuit. At that point, it wasn't long <laughs> in, I don't think. You're on. You're no, on, yeah, you're, you're, you're right. Two, two hours, yeah, two hours. And so you ranged him right away. You were using your old, old uh, like, yeah, my old like, no problem. Zero problem. Because realistically, well, it had just started clearing off because that's why I tested them. Because I was like, when we were about an hour before that, I was like, man, we're going to have a hard time if we see these off in a distance to get a range. Now, they're not a long-range shooting. You're going to shoot them at anywhere. You could, we could have killed them with a bow. Some, you know, uh, we, we came across three different groups. We killed the three biggest bulls we could find out of those three groups. So no equipment issues in the cold. Because, I mean, even though – I mean, it's it's like saying Arizona is a hot, uh, a dry heat in the summer. You know, 30 below Celsius is still 20 below for us. It's cold. It's cold. 
It's cold. It's as cold as we ever get here. Yeah, it's you know it it and it's and, yeah. It's yeah, cold. and you're you're zipping along. You're going fifty miles an hour on the sled sometimes. <laughs> I mean, you're cooking right along. <laughs> <laughs> We'll talk about that. <laughs> oh, there's something there. Um, so, so, but no, no equipment issues with anything then. Zero. Everything went well. No, so we saw these, and uh, it was only three bulls. And then they're like, okay, there's another bull. I think Tristan said there's a. By the way, Tristan won. Did you see that? No, he won the race. Four Pete. He won his race. He won his race. He, he won nice. again. He's the Nunavut world champion. Um, 300, 200 miles, three hundred miles. Um, but anyway, it's their version of Iditarod or oh, something. No, these guys, but these guys yeah. know equipment. They yeah. they know that their version of NASCAR. Oh, exactly. They, gotcha. It is it is crazy, and they they freaking they're Eskimos. I mean, I I you know I I don't know. I don't think that's insulting in any way, shape, or form. I'd be proud to be one if I was a none of it native. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, tough people, happy people. Yeah. You know. Um, Very but, happy. Yeah. Right. So we see these big ones, and they're like, dude, they're giant. I remember looking at them going, holy shit. That is a bigger-than-I-thought animal. The one, the first one I saw was, I think, the one Al shot that was behind the rock that I, like, really focused in on. I was like, my God, that's a prehistoric giant. Right? I was blown away. And uh, and you guys brought... Six fives and seven mags, and, and Al shot first. So Al was up first on the trigger. Right. Well, we set up, and they said, can you make that shot? And I, I, I said, these guys can make that shot. It's 358 yards, not a question. So we went to get set up, but the little guy decided he should get going with the big boys because the big boys had spotted us and said, I'm getting out of Dodge. Mm-hmm. So we took off to get high ground to find out where they were going, and then they hit down on a lake. And so we got in position, saw where they're going, and uh, scooted around and got in position and got set up. And then Al shot first. I'll let them take over from there. Oh man, it's, it, it was almost surreal. Like I, <clears throat> it was less than a minute, maybe thirty seconds between my shot and your shot, Jonathan. Like mm-hmm. it, it came together really quick. Um, Brian did a good job of moving me around, getting me in position, and, and calming me down a little bit. Uncle um, Brian helped out. He did. He did. <laughs> um, did did but, you uh, did you say some he, nasty words when you shot it? Then, like, uh, like no, my kids well, do. but you know, well, no, he, no, he was good. He was good. I was glad to have him there. I, um, I feel like I should give a little black backdrop to this because Al's been to a lot of shooting schools before, and this wasn't a fifty-yard behind the rock standing there. They were moving down a lake, and then they had turned, and um, we had had to set up. And I threw the shooting sticks down. The one of the inerrant problems with this area. And, like, where we took the pictures, they drug them out to lakes. Mm-hmm. The reason being because you can take one step off the rocks and you're up to your boobs in snow. I mean, because you don't know. It just blows flat, but you don't know. You know what I'm saying? And so, we, sure. it, and so anyway, there was a little bit of negotiate, negotiating the snow right. for Al and I because we were on that edge. And anyway, I just jumped off of there. And I know Al because we've done the shooting schools a ton. And he gets a little excited. I'm just like. You ain't getting excited here. We're going to kill this son of a bitch. No, no, it was a compliment. My kids, he, Brian, Uncle Brian helps my kids sometimes. <laughs> and uh, they show a fair amount of enthusiasm. And and uh, I've heard a couple of 
Explosive words that words. words that weren't perfect. Okay. <laughs> Your son and I enjoyed a moment. It was fun. Go ahead, Al. No, nah, you you were calm. kept me kept me calm. Um, I think my first shot was a good shot. Smoke. Um, but what a what a tough animal, man. Those yeah. those beasts did not want to go down. Um, even with a well executed shot, in my opinion. Um. Yeah, Brian said they were a tough animal. It reminded us of like a grizzly bear, brown bear, just a slow pumping heart, you know, that's not like they just give up. Yeah, and, and for me, it's kind of like, a, I don't know, in recent years has become a, a, a bucket list. So I was a little starstruck. Brian's trying to get like, Brian walks up and he's trying to get film of me. You know, hey, what did you just do? And I'm like, I don't know. This is so exciting. I, 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 I can't speak on camera right now. He did, which I really appreciated because he was like just standing there looking at him. I'm like, Al, did you lose your brain? I mean, can you say something? And he looked no. at me and was like, dude, I can't say nothing. I, I, I literally need a minute. So you shot a, a stomper, a great bull, and Jonathan's up right after you. And the, so there's two big bulls in, oh, this, yeah. in this herd. And so and giants, yeah. big bosses. And giants, Jonathan, you're up, bro. All right, so so I watched from slightly back. I I I guess it was it was a lake. It was a froze a frozen because we, we were on a, a flat low spot between two undulating hills on the side. Um, I watched Al. I was actually further back up the lake as these animals were moving and crossing the low flat spots. And I saw what was developing. I saw Brian jump off, grab the shooting sticks and off in the distance. So if, if you could see me off in the distance, almost straight in front of me, the animals were, were away in flat. I was slightly elevated to the right and I just shot up. I was still behind Alan Bryan, and I. But I turned my sled perpendicular. I was watching out to this side with with Brian and the shooting sticks. Um, to your left. To to my left, and I, I had a had a feeling of what was going to happen just based on the the, the animals' movements or characteristics. I jumped off and I was on my knees and, and, and my sled was perpendicular to the line of approach or escape of the animals. I had, I had my, my weapon on the seat of the sled and I was dialed in. Only thing I was like, give me distance, give me distance, give me distance. And, and Brian's just left Al's fatal shot 75 yards to my left. He's heading back to me and he's like, Hell, Brian, what were you, you were saying something, and I'm like, give me a distance. Give well, me a distance. So I dial in. But, but realistically, we were between two and 300. There was no real uh, uh, no drama change in, in my turret. No, well, they, so, so the, the, they, the two big bowls, we had to let clear. Right. And because they were stacked in there. And Al's moved, and I said, smoke him, boom, double-lunged him, kept going. And then – I said, get another one in him, and um, he puts another one in him and blew his front shoulder out, and it was blood was pumping everywhere. To two ethical 
t- smoke kill shots 160 yards away. Well, now that rerouted those other two animals. <laughs> they were like, I ain't having none of that. Yeah, so that's right. That's I don't right. know what this is, but it ain't good. Right. So they <laughs> spun around the other way, and the little one went up into the rocks, and the big one kind of flanked on the side of that lake to the left. And, um, and he started cooking out because his exit was down that lake as far as fast as he could get. And I thought, I need to get over to Jonathan to get him these shooting sticks and get these, um, you know, I had my hammers out. Right. And I looked at him, and, and I'm like, well, he read the whole scenario. I mean, Jonathan's a killer, man. Instinctively, he just went, I'm going to get some high ground because if they do try to escape back here, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to – and I look, and I'm like, well, hell, he, he, ain't, he ain't needing these. He's got his setup. And I go, I'll, he goes, I'm on him. And I'm like, holy shit, you are on him. It's kind of like Nunavut road hunting. Man. So, no, <laughs> no, because, because there's no roads. Yeah. And, uh, and these animals move faster than you think they're going to. Right. So he's already set up. And they've got pie plates for feet, oh, right? Dude. They just cook across right. that so, stuff. Yes. And so he's set up, and he's moving them. And this one's not going to stop. And I go, I go, 275, I go, I'll get you a range. And I just stopped because I was like, he's going to kill this thing. And he's got that, uh, you know, that uh, wildcat round. And I'm like, oh, shit. So I go 275, and all I remember saying is hold it on his nose and let it rip. And I didn't, I didn't even get that out of my mouth. I'm like, hold it on its nose. Bam! He shoots it, and it, it smokes it. it and, and by that time, it was 300 yards. Um, and he just smoked it and tumbled up. And before anybody could say get another one in there, boom, he had another one in there, and then he had another one. So he had three in the boiler room before that animal could quiver twice. Cool. Yeah, and, and I, I'll tell you, it was spoken a little while ago, they are tough animals. I punched it three times, 300-ish yards on the move. Like the people, like the people there – when you when you live for millennium in an environment that is foreign to you, you just naturally become tougher than what we think you are. Those animals are tough, whether it's the heartbeat, the metabolism. They don't exist on a on a beach in Aruba drinking Mai Tais and um, uh, sex on the beach. That they exist in, in 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 an environment that is tough. The people up there exist in an environment that's tough. And and I guess my point is, it's not as much about the shot. It's about appreciating the value of that experience. If if anyone is listening to this and they say, "Man, that's something I I I I, I, I would like to experience," these animals walked the tundra have traversed the arctic circle with woolly mammoths they are not a a fallow deer they are not a name an animal that you can punch a hole through and it die they are hardy you don't get to be big you don't get to have bosses that are busted up and crumbling um and you're 15 years old by being weak you exist um and you you continue to exist because you were strong, hardy animals. And that's a, that's a thousand, that's 10,000, that's 50,000 years of, of natural selection and Darwinism of, of, right. I am going to live in this environment. You know? So, so you guys both got your first, 
Brian's up next, yep. but you got the rest of the day to take care of these because now you got now you got some work ahead of you and it's cold. Right. So they they they. Pulled. So you're on the clock. Well, Al's Al's went up well, and died in the rocks. So they they brought Al's down, and and got him lined up. Together. Dallied it up with a snow snowmobile just, and drug it down. Yeah, and just yep, yeah, just drug it down. Yep. And uh, which they were heavy. They they pulled the sleds right in. You had to get a little rope to get some momentum. Otherwise, it this little sleds, kinetic just, jerk. <laughs> yeah, the sleds had sank. But anyway, yeah, they they lined them up and then. Um, and they had a plan. I mean, they knew what they were doing. It was all well organized, right. and uh, they they put it together. And then, you know, normally, <clears throat> having be having been and being a butcher, because I guess it, it's like not it, once you are, you're never not. Um, I usually get involved. You know that, right? Um, that, well, that's what I was going to ask next. So the Inuit no way of doing things. Yeah. This was well. They they know. And they got their deal. They got their program. They, they don't like like they. We killed some uh, um, flying salmon, um, uh, ptarmigan, and ptarmigan, yeah. and one of the natives, Titok, he Tee-tok. he ate the. Uh, he just took it over and said flying salmon sushi. Um, he took out the intestines, ate the intestines. Took out the gizzard, ate the gizzard. Took out the heart, ate the heart. Then he filleted the uh, cut the took the skin off the breast and then flayed it in little pieces and then just pulled them out almost like little like little like you know um scoring a a a pork butt he scored them and then just took them and ate them in smaller chunks from the scoring and just cleaned them off anyway my point to that is that they literally had that animal broke down and knew what they 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 just boom 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 they flew through it and and we just you know got out of their way man um they they had a broke down they eat every ounce of that did you uh try some ptarmigan gizzard what do you think (laughs) well you tried the whale blubber with the eskimos i tried the whale blubber because you totally (laughs) me um i'm a big adventuresome guy on that stuff but i'm like whale blubber no i cut time i draw the line at well last time we were hanging out with nunavans (laughs) and uh um eskimos (laughs) when they pulled up and they go well oh no but my buddy brian will try it he likes trying stuff and i'm like you son of a and so I trailed the whale bubble. Yeah. They offered it to me, and I'm like, no, on this trip, too, I was like, no, no, no. No, I was, I was like, no, I'm not eating that stuff, man. Oh, my gosh. So, <laughs> so then we get to Brian's muskox. Well, no, so, so literally you got to hear this, though. Okay. Two hours and five minutes, both animals completely done, um, completely, completely taken care of. Did you eat any of it while you were up there? No. What did you think of it? What did you guys think of them breaking it down and having it all – done very efficient they they look i mean literally there's pictures of there's pictures that i'm i'm standing there with a knife like okay i kind of want to help but you can't put four people on a carcass they were so efficient breaking that thing down skinning it um breaking the quarters off It, it was almost like okay it's 20 degrees below zero celsius and I don't want it to make this any longer than it needs to be. They were so efficient that I felt I felt bad not helping. But well, they've done this it's forever. It's fun, like when we've watched the Eskimos in Alaska break down a moose. They have their own program. It's totally different. Well, same thing. They know where and every joint's out of the It's rib. not bad. It's just they do it totally different. And they looked at us because we have our way. 
And our way is good to us, right? It's the way we've done it but forever. But it's not as efficient as there. It's even like that breastplate where the brisket's at, they know right where all the soft point is. They take that thing off whole, and then they cook that whole. You know, they have a purpose for every – you know, they, they like the brains. They like uh, the tripe. They do they, like do the, they eat the brains or do they, not they all, use it not to tan and caribou stuff? Caribou they do. Okay. Caribou they do, not these. And, and we – these skulls are so big. I mean, they're just – you're not getting the brains out of these things. Um, but in, in those two guys, those were the, – the uh, natives figured that those two bulls – how old were they? Did were, they think they thought they were comp- well? They were at least I don't know, but they were mature, mature. Right, right. They right. were kicked off. They were what's not a, a part of What's the a lifespan of a muskox? Did, did any know. idea? These were at the end of their lives. Jonathan's had so many chunks taken out of his bosses, and his head was so it was so big and grown. It was just like it was obnoxious. It was giant. So they lived to be twelve to twenty years. I would say this, these. I would so say these were both these. like a grizzly. Another thing, like a grizzly bear, because yep. the old grizzly bears are eighteen, nineteen, twenty years old. I would like, say these were twelve yeah. or fourteen years old. Well, then we took off looking for. Oh, first, so we get off. They, they they get all excited. We all pull up on our sleds, and they found sign of muskox. Jonathan reaches down and he goes, "Look at this!" And I'll never forget turning around, and he picks up a hair. How long do you think that hair was? 15 inches. It was 15 inches Crazy, long. Crazy, huh? Uh, and then I once I picked comment. one up, there were like, I picked up 50. They were everywhere. Yeah, it's, cra- it's crazy because no, they're, they're five feet at the shoulder, and their feet, all you can see out of the hair are these little, yeah, these little hooves. These little, 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 little itty bitties. Oh. Al, you were going to say something. No, just back to uh, to take Jonathan's statement back to scanning them. Um, and we had so many hands on deck, like we said, we had to just back off, get out of the way, let them do their thing. But from my perspective, that's not an easy animal to skin when you have hair that long. <laughs> right? And that's they just a good right perspective. And you, you're full-bodying yours. Did they do a dorsal cut on yours? Um, uh, no, we did no. the inside brown oh, bear. You did brown bear style. Yeah, mm-hmm. we rug we rug it because uh, you know it's gonna be standing up. Yeah, and they can tuck up underneath there. Yeah. It would have been a sheep we'd have done. Well, you, it, it, but I told them how they asked me where would you like us to do this. They were super. They they were so communicative. You know, they were so uh, concerned with giving us what we wanted, yeah. and and it was uh, well the, from the first time we met them, they were class guys. We were really impressed with them. Yeah, these guys are amazing, and they, um, we were so then we were on our way, and then we ran into um, a wolf track, and then a fresh, fresh wolf. Did track. you lose your mind? Everybody lost their mind, and uh, um, and that was hit. Remind me later on that, um, and then uh, um, and then it was off and running, and I went straight up the mountain, and I forgot I had a camera guy on my back, um, and I think he wet himself. Um, so, uh, but we, then we ran into another group of, um, muskox. Mm-hmm. So, uh, anyway, umming muck. Um, so we, oh, ran, that umming muck. so we ran into another group of umming muck. Is that, uh, is that the Borrego? Is that the, uh, yeah. So they're <laughs> called umming muck and we dropped the Kumatik. 
immediately when we saw everybody drop their Kumatex and the, the chase was on to find this, to get high ground to find this wolf. And uh, and it was a big pad. It was an Arctic wolf. I mean, it was giant, bigger than a dog. You've ever and they're just pure white. They're super they, cool. They, yeah, white and silver. And then, uh, well, we ran into up in the rocks a, a bunch of ooming muck, probably at 20, 25. What would you guys say? Yeah, about yeah, 15, 18, yeah. And and uh, then we looked at them, but they we go ahead, Al. No, no, it just looked like a lot to me. Yeah, and they were mostly they were mostly cows and babies, but there was a few bulls in there, and I just you know I was like, eh, no, not after what I just saw those two guys, right? Still. And yeah, I'll, now they've set the bar, and now it's easy, huh? Yeah, I only I only have to jump six one or whatever, right? Now I know what I gotta. <laughs> So then we hunted, we hunted and glassed and hunted and got to high ground and got to high ground and got to high ground. Then we stopped and had lunch, and uh, we What'd were. What'd you have for lunch? Uh, they made sandwiches and it was it was really good. Yeah. Um, they had coffee and uh, caribou juices, turkey, caribou sandwiches, coffee, turkey, crackers. Yeah. Legit. Yep. And then yep, legit. Comfortable. And then T Tuck says, "Uming muck, uming muck over there." And he said something. It was in a native tongue because uh-huh. we didn't understand it. And they were talking native tongue. And uh, I'm like, where? Does Tony, does Tony speak that A little too? bit. A little yeah. bit. He, he understands he it understands more than he talks. Really well. yeah, yeah. But uh, T-Tuck is uh, total um, bilingual, right? Um, yeah. And, yeah. And anyway, I'm like, where the hell are you seeing these? And then they go over there. And I'm like, dude, I don't see them. And I'm pretty good at seeing shit. And they're like, no, no, no. Over there. And I'm like. There's next next zip code, huh? Dude, next continent. They were like seven miles out on the flat. He goes, the ooming muck. Hey, Brad, Brad, li- Brad, Brad, listen here. L- literally, we were all kind of bunched together on this hill that was above the lake level was, I'm going to say, 35, 40 feet. And <laughs> like Brad, like Brian, I have a good eye at a distance. I can't read a newspaper in front of me without my readers. But at a distance... They're like over there, over. There. I'm pulling up my swallow, uh, my 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 Lycos. I'm, I'm I'm like what? Oh. They were and and T Tuck, Brian. Tell me if I'm wrong. He was bare eyed seeing something seven miles away. <laughs> it was it was the smallest little spick of black. Just knew it. Huh? Thirty smallest little spicks of black seven miles away. In nothing but an ocean of white. So, I, I'm looking like 800 yards, <laughs> and then no further than that. I'm looking a 1,500 mile. yards. Yeah, right. It was. I'm like, and so <laughs> Brian, Al, when we took off, I'm fanning out far to my right because I think it's like, okay, whatever he's seeing is like four, three minutes away. We ran, re-ran those sleds for 20 minutes before we got to them. And I'm like, to myself, I'm like, my, my hands started sweating again. The handlebars got so damn hot because he ran so hard, so fast. I'm like, and so long. I'm like, what the hell were they looking at? We're passing two and three and four mile marks that I'm like, okay, this is whatever they're seeing. We just kept going. T-Tuck's eyes. It's, it's incredible. It, it, uh, we were running 50, it was so 60 far. miles an hour. 
We were running 50, yeah. 60 miles an hour. We were hauling ass. So much so that I threw my spotting scope back in the uh, um, bag, and my, 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 I, broke, I, I broke my Leicas. Um, anyway, um, and there happened to be a, a bottle of cinnamon whiskey that didn't make it either. But anyway, that's for another th- conversation. So you have a flavored spot. <laughs> yeah, we're not going to talk about that. No, <laughs> no, it was very disappointing. So anyway, we, and then we stopped a mile away. And then we set up to look at them, and you could see bosses then from a mile away on three of them. Because you shot a giant. I did, and it was and he giant. He just dropped really low, and uh, um, and then we went up and we got about a half mile away, and we hiked up the hill. And then the funny thing was, I was like, okay, they don't see me, and the the, the everybody stayed way back, and then, but then all of a sudden they spotted myself and the camera guy. And then they all lined up about 200 yards away, and they were looking like, what are you? What are you? Mm-hmm. And then we had plenty of time to look at them all and decide. And there was probably 60 of them in that herd, 50 of them. Wow. And you shot a giant, and there were two giants in there. There was two or three. The really, other one had Brad Dito's name on it. It, it did. Huh? If you would have went, <laughs> oh. or, or Brian Wolf or Troy Fridley, but you three pansy ass backed out on us and went, oh, I can't go. My wife, my business. My family. Oh, no, no. Um, no, they did. No, don't, don't, no, don't even go there. All right. Jones and Ankner and Maimon, we all bucked up and just uh, went. Right. I mean, we just, okay. we just, we just manned up and went. I'm just saying. You just see the look on Brad's face right now. <laughs> I know. And and Brian Wolf and Troy Fridley are listening right now too. <laughs> uh, next time I see him, I'm going to see. Troy and Brian. You missed a great expedition, but, but, but we will host you when you want to come back. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. I love it. Exactly. I love it. So, um, so yeah, anyway, so we find that, and here's the problem. The reason they were hauling ass is because it was going to get dark and we'd been hunting for a few more hours now and we did not really anticipate killing all three in one day. Actually, Jonathan and Al and I, and maybe they can speak to it, but we were like, did we just do that? Um, so this is still on day one. Yeah. Al, oh, so Al, that's done Al, day you, one. You so that. you're a mile Al, away. Al, run with that. Al, run with that. Oh, I, don't, I mean, yeah, I never thought, like, uh, I didn't re- – I, I underestimated how quick, like, once Jonathan and I shot within a few minutes of each other, like how quickly the breakdown would go. Um Brian's hunt was really, really fun. Like the, the wolf and Jonathan, and I went around the other way trying to cut wolf tracks and push them up. Brian went up the hill along with half the other crowd. Um, and then <laughs> we got the back on uh, muskox. And Brian's hunt was a lot of fun. We ran a long ways. Like twenty minutes is an, a big underestimation in my in my book especially when you consider the whole pursuit when we were just trying to get around and find them. Um, yeah. T-Tops well, eyes. Are I got to tell you, I got to tell you, we're sitting here talking about that. When we were going, when we were heading over there, I was seriously, I was with you guys and I didn't know, obviously you're on your own sleds where I'm on my own sled. I'm thinking these Nimrods and I don't mean it like negatively. I'm thinking these numbskulls we've had to went by where those things were. Um, there's no way they saw them that far out there, but it was, I can, we can't emphasize enough how good their eyes were and how far we went across Mm -hmm. there. Anyway, go ahead. 
And no, I was just going to comment on uh, my man T-Top, like on his eyes, like it was stated it's it was an ocean of white, but it's also an ocean of white and muscots colored rocks all over the place. Like to yeah. pick out the animal that far away. Um, I, I mean, good on y'all. So, so I shoot him. We go up. He's running off. I, 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 I try to get running to get in another position to shoot him, and they all bunch up. And I literally fall in up to my chest in snow again because you can't run because you think it's flat, but it's not flat, and you break through the snow. And being, you know, five foot nine, 135 pounds, I broke through the snow a couple times. And uh, yeah. <laughs> Anyway, so um, they picked me up on the sled, and we went to head up around there. Well, he expired. Okay, one shot right in the right in the front. He was quartering at me. I put it right next to his throat, but he still made it five six minutes and probably three quarters of a mile running like that. And uh, um, they then drag him down because they want to drag him. They 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 look everywhere and they go, "Where is it? Packed snow." shallow enough they know where to get to work on the animal right because they uh, they know they can't fight it in snow up to your chest right and so they literally just hook the animal up we take pictures sun shining looks like it's setting just gorgeous in the northwest we get pictures and they go to and we all back off seven eight of them are on that animal going to town they get it done in 45 minutes, hour, have it all peeled apart, everything on there, and they look at Jonathan, Al, and I, and they go, ooh, whiteout rolling in, let's get going, let's get going, let's get going. And that whiteout rolled in, didn't it, guys? Yeah, and, and the, the skin out was for a full body mount again, so it's a lot more going on than just a, a shoulder mount and a rug. Yeah, it was amazing. And And – they were so efficient. And, and when they said that white out is rolling in, I'm looking at the animal. I'm looking at the horizon. And honestly, when they said that initially, I'm like, what are they looking at? It's kind of, it's kind of like when they were like, ooh, ooh uh, muck. I'm like, what are you looking at? I kept looking this way, looking at the animal. But when we broke it down, the white out had gotten to us. And when we took off, Brad, I'm telling you, it was, I generally stayed second in the procession of sleds, but there were times where I was 50 yards behind uh, Tony. I couldn't see anything. And wow. we're hitting, and, I, and I'm turning around, I can't see anyone behind me, even though every sled's got, got lights on. That's the excitement. That's the staff. I, I hate to say staff, but we were, we were all split up amongst None of us were ever in a position where we would get lost, but they knew exactly where we're going just by the slight in undulations to the left or to the right. And, okay, we're going to go this way. We're going to turn. It was when they said there was a whiteout coming, I'm like, what are you talking about? And when it hit, <laughs> like, okay, I know what they're talking about now. And they still, but, they know, were able to dead reckon all the way back to camp, huh? I think Tony had a GPS, GPS on he because did. we had a long ways. We had made it. We had actually, from where we left, we were another 85, 90 miles to where we killed mine from camp. Gotcha. So you did GPS back. Um, there was a GPS on, 
but they they have a great but, sense of direction. But he said T Tuck could have just took us back. Um, it it was crazy. Um, but to what Jonathan's saying, Al was right in front of me, and there would be times I couldn't see Al, and I would literally try to get up to his left and flank him, so I could just like be right with him mm-hmm. because I would be then you'd have to just look down to see if I could follow his sled tracks um, because it was just that dense white and you know and it wasn't that it was dark yet it was just white ground was white right sky was white in front of you was white it was white right just freaking white well like, it sounds like it was just a crazy adventure i'm yeah I'm sad i missed it but and then what what if time guys man then the next day just to to wrap up it was uh it was beautiful um you know uh we we got everything put together the next day we did do a little predator hunting we got a arctic fox um, one of the uh, um, one of their family members, they they called them on the sat phone or delorumed them and said, "Come up, and we know where there's a big uh, um, herd of ooming muck." Um, they do not want the trophies. They don't worry about the reason. There's so many big trophies there. The natives would do they they call us sport hunters because we want the they're wor- shooting cow moose. We want the worthless animals. We want there. the guy that's 14 <laughs> years old going to go die, which makes no sense to them. Right, zero sense. They want the three-year-old, two-year-old. That's uh, tasty, a, tender vittles. Table fare. That's how they live. Right. We got back into town a few days later. Um, I saw the post that they put that said uh, um, uh, "Uming Muck" um, in front of their house. Come get it. Um, it's all been quartered and prepared. Uh, anybody in the city that wants some. Uh, I saw the post later the next day. Is there any ooming muck left? No, it was all taken um, first day. Um, did anybody, d- did they take the hides? Yes, the trophy. They said, yes, the sport hunters took the heads and the hides. Um, and then it, there was a comment, bet they didn't take any meat. And they said, oh, no, no, no. This group wanted meat to try it because they're not um, just sport hunters. They, they love the table fair. They were great conver- uh, conservationists. There was a whole dialogue about us on the Facebook posts. Um, and, uh, and then we got back and then they moved our flights up for us, got us all set up. We had great accommodations there. Nice restaurant. Um, not a lot of restaurants, but, um, yeah. it, it was amazing. Hey, guys, wow. did we miss anything? Um, <clears throat> I don't think we missed anything. The only thing I would say that I, that I would want our listeners to hear is, is, how easy it is to travel in and out of Nunavut. It's not like American TSA. It's not like coming in and out of the country uh, with weapons. It's I, 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 honestly, and we, Al, Brian, correct me if I'm wrong. We checked our stuff and it went all the way through to Charleston, South Carolina, all the way through to, rapid city south dakota it was the easiest international traveling with meat and weapons that i've ever been and i and i've i've been to some countries that you're just like 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 siberia 13 or not 13 six hours handling that stuff it's it's so easy that literally i'm like it it brian you said they're going to check us all the way through to our final destination i'm like there's no way they're not going to do that it was that easy it was that easy wow and 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 I, you know 
from my perspective, uh, Alaska's been my playground because it's in American soil. You can get up there. This is easier to get to than Alaska. I, I wanted to fly back up two weeks later. I'm going to go up there. We're going to do um, an Arctic char uh, adventure with fly rods. We're going to go vet one of those. Um, they, 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 he's going to do an Arctic char, and they catch hundreds of them. You're big char. You're killing me, Brian. And, You're and killing me right now. Somebody's got to vet it. Jonathan and I and Al are going back, and we'll, we'll maybe invite Brad. Um, because, you know, <laughs> but, but, no, in all sincerity, you're exactly right. Al, what, what would you say your final comments or uh, parting words would be? Oh, that's a tough one, man. It's just a, just a great adventure that, that happened really quick. Um, you can't say enough about the, the people, um, their whole group. They're, you know, family. They're super nice, super helpful. Um, I feel like that community has to be so supportive to survive in, in, in that environment. Um, so the, the people was a big part for me. Yeah, it really was. Um, cool. Well, and, it, was, and, and, it was, know, sounds like a blast, guys. As far like like, our hunt happened so quick, but uh, – I mean, we had steaks ready for dinner one night, pork chops ready for dinner. Um, yeah, it was it was the food was amazing. really great accommodations. Yeah, yeah. So here's what we're gonna do, everybody that's listening, <clears throat> as we wrap this up. Um, <clears throat> we uh, we went a little longer than we normally do on this one, but I think it was I think it was great content, great value. Um, I would say on a scale of one to ten, um, you know, I would give it a ten plus. For adventure on a scale of one to ten of uh, quality service, I would give it uh, a ten plus. Um, game density ten plus. Um, culture, uh, uh, culture ten plus. Um, trophy care um, ten plus. And we've got it figured out where to send them to, the, how to get it into the states, the import. We brought meat back with us. We went through every experience you could possibly imagine. We filled out all the export forms. Uh, the three of us ran down to the native nation and we filed all of our stuff. We did not shortcut one part of the trip so we could make sure that we knew how to take one of you guys on this. I would put it in the top five experiences and top five hunts overall. And I, you know I don't say that lightly. Yeah. Um, because, uh, you know, and, and I, along with Jonathan, Alan, yourself, we've traveled the world, been blessed beyond belief. God's put his grace on us to be able to go do a lot of these cool things. If you're interested in this, you need to reach out to go to um, uh, um, go to hello. hello at rbohome.com. Go to hello at rbohome.com. And um, if you're a podcast listener, we're going to do something for you for this hunt, okay? We are doing a host hunt next spring, okay? We're going to do two of them back-to-back, okay? Um, and we're going to be up there. Uh, Jonathan, Al, Brad, um, and I will be doing host hunts back-to-back up there. So we will fly with you from um, uh, Winnipeg up. Okay, and uh, all you got to do is meet us in Winnipeg. It's so easy to get it to Winnipeg. Go through Minneapolis. It's a 50-minute flight from Minneapolis. You clear customs on the way home in Winnipeg on the way back. Um, the guides, uh, they never left our side from the time we landed in Nunavut um, in Rankin Bay or Rankin Inlet till the time we left. We were walking out onto our plane, giving him the hugs. He made sure we were everything was taken care of. 
I know there's a lot of people that like to do this, but they're worried about the logistics and, and the details. We want to help you with that. You, If you're interested, you get a hold of us at hello at um, rbohome.com. We have spots for four for each. There's only eight. There's only eight spots. It's all we can do. We want the quality experience for everybody. That's all they can do with the same quality guide plus assistant guide plus um, the come a teak. And those and eight spots will go fast. But there's other spots. I mean, you could do. You just they just won't be, be with us. Yeah. They won't be with the host hunt. But we'll make sure you get all taken care of and run you through tip to tail, and it'll be a great experience. So anyway, we appreciate you listening as always, Jonathan Al. Unbelievable experience amazing i i'm a better man for having done it the greatest and y'all can edit this out but for me the cost there was great value in that cost like get to experience amazing country um shoot a majestic prehistoric animal um airfare taking care you know taking you from winnipeg to to rankin inlet um the food, I think, is a high-value cost. I mean, they've got fuel, snow machines, your own snow machines. Um, I, the, I would definitely value. I, I agree. Not we're, cheap, not, not we're, cheap. we're not editing that out. It's one of the best values ever. That was organic, and we appreciate That's exact. This is one of the best-valued adventure hunts I've ever done. Amazing. Yeah, I mean, you can, you can do that for less than the cost of – a fair hunt. number of elk hunts. Exactly. Mule deer hunts. I mean, it's, well, it's wow. pretty crazy. Unbelievable. Well, anyway, thanks for listening. Yeah, we appreciate everybody. Um, go to rollingbones.com. Um, you can just go there. Uh, check out our membership. The, the, we have a membership that's not an inclusive club uh, or an exclusive club. It's an all-inclusive club. We want to help you get on your next adventure. We put a lot of time and energies into building a positive environment for you to understand where to go, how to do it. If you're looking for applications or adventures, we're it. We know applications and adventures as good, if not better, than anybody else in the industry, and we travel the world to make sure we bring you the most quality and vetted hunts in the marketplace. So go to rollingbones.com, or you know what? We even take care of the old-fashioned way. I was in the office today. People were actually answering the phone. 605-644-8000, 605-644-8000, and we will pick up the phone, say hello, and help you um, get started for your next adventure. Until next time, hey, we want you to be safe, stay healthy, and happy hunting. Cut. That was done.